Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. Yes. Trugging along here, man. Yeah. Well, you, we're, we're, everyone's, this is, if you really like us, like our 13 listeners, you guys have gotten. Yeah, you're, you're, you're weekly, hog heaven. Hog weekly, heaven. Weekly shows. Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, that's just kind of how the calendar yeah. panned out here, and yeah. we're just we're just getting it done. Uh, fun, 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 fun week. Uh, uh, a handful of things happened this week, though, um, and I did see this. Uh, I they announced it. They announced it a while back, but it finally came out. And it's streaming on Shutter. I want to, Scott's weekly movie. <laughs> yeah, right, whatever. Um, what's Scott watching? What's Scott watching now? Uh, Guar. Uh, if you guys are, if you guys are, if you're an old school listener of the show, uh, you know that we used to have Dave Brocky, who was the character Odorous Urungus, who was the lead singer of Guar. Um, no doubt, I didn't need to see the documentary to to know this. One of the greatest frontmen in metal, rock, punk rock, whatever, because Guar pretty much played everything, you know. And there's there's a lot about that band that I love talking to people about because you know if you anybody out there who listens to some kind of rock has heard of Guar, right? And you know, and Dave said it years ago to us, and it wasn't an arrogant thing for him to say. He's like, look, we set the bar on this kind of stuff. We were the first band to do this kind of stage show. We set the bar, and there's a lot of bands that do put on this crazy stage show that, that that can never match what Guar has done. Those guys are completely out of, they're out of their minds and they're still going. Um, he was a hundred percent right. I agree with him. So yeah, um, this is Guar, the true story of the sickest band in the world. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, the title. <laughs> and I won't, it's on shutter. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an exclusive to shutter. So hopefully you have that. Um, I'm sure there's some other ways to watch it too. Maybe. Well, if, the, if it's an exclusive, no, I guess not. But you know. can do Shutter, and then we're not working for Shutter. Yeah, but we don't work for Shutter. You can get a seven day free membership. Well, there you go. Bang it out. It's only like five ninety nine. I'm paying a month. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, there's all kinds of neat stuff on there. Um, Especially for yeah, spooky stuff. So is the. Uh, but this is Wars on there, and if you're a fan, if you're not a fan, that's what I told you, Amber. I mean. Yeah, and we had a lot of the same adventures with Dave back in the day. I mean, and that's the thing I, uh, I'll mention is that you know we had him on the show once, and and like after that he treated us like his best friend. It used to blow my mind. He was con- he was sending us putting us on guest list after guest yeah. list after guest list for shows. Um, we should just do an entire show on that one day in Kentucky at the sound. Well, the we might because we talked about that, but so that might be a future. We may have done a show on that. Yeah, sounds of the underground. But it might be rehashed because of someone who might be on the show, but we don't know yet because that's not in the can. What? Would you say Waverly Hills? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We might be able to talk about it then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's that's where that's where we one insane day we had with Dave. Um, he just treated us like a, like a best friend. We lost him in 2014. Dave passed away. Hard day, uh, and I knew going into this documentary, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the one to spoil anything for anybody because I really think everybody should watch this documentary, a fan or not fan. But I, I shed a lot. I did. You, you, you were in the other room, but I did choke up a few times. I would have walked in and just seen you, just sitting there with tissue in my crying. Hands. Well, it was it's dark, man. These guys dabbing are, at your eye with a handkerchief. You're talking about a group of guys who have been playing together for 30, 35 years. No, a handful sad. of these guys, and um, you know, he he went very sudden. So, yeah, I I want to suggest that to people because there's a certain little bit of history with Guar and Ghostly Talk, and I'm really proud to say that we do have that history yeah. with with Guar uh, and with Dave Brocky. So check that out. This is Guar, the true story of the sickest band in the world. <laughs>
So check it out. It's on Shutter. I started watching a movie that I did not finish yet and probably only got 15 minutes into. Yeah. Uh, I saw it, like, popped up on my Google News feed about, like, here's a movie that really failed, but now it's a cult hit. And the title alone got me, mm-hmm. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Oh, you mentioned this to me. And, and it's got Jeff Goldblum, who's, like, in a cowboy, like, weird how old cowboy. Is, how old is it? Like, 1983 or 4. Okay, that was before Goldblum became, like, the Goldblum he is Yeah, now. yeah. He's, like, goofball. Like um, another... And then it had uh, John Lithgow playing some crazy person with a weird accent. At the main guy was Peter Weller, who's been in stuff, but I don't think he was nearly ever as popular as, like, Goldblum or Lithgow. But mm-hmm. I started watching it, and it's just bananas. So I don't know. We'll see if I finish it or not. I just – that title alone, though, I'm like, it's a great title, but – Weird. Speaking of weird. Speaking of weird, we got Weird Willis. Weird Willis was James on Willis was with we us tonight. We had the absolute pleasure of having our old friend James Willis back on the show tonight yes. to talk about all kinds of insanity. Uh, wow. You know, and we got to back up just a minute here because I forgot to mention this. We do have t-shirts and stickers available. We you do? Can ha- yes. Wow. You can head over to our website and click on... T-shirts, or go over to our social media we somewhere. We got T-shirts on the website now. Yes. Oh, far out. And, and you can go to a website called T Public. You so we don't have to buy a big stock of T-shirts of different various sizes. You can go pick out your whatever size. There's a few color options. Oh, wow. there's a T-shirt thing on this yes. side. You, you, you sneaky little yeah. snake, sneaky aggress you. You can pick out stickers, which I'm now keeping my fingers crossed, everyone, that everything looks good because I uploaded the document. We have our T-shirts and stickers coming. I hope they, you know, I don't know, but I hope, if, if, I'm sorry if the design, you get it, and it just looks like garbage, <laughs> like hot garbage. We'll, we'll make it up to you. <laughs> we will make it up to you. I'll pull we'll the fi- design we'll, immediately, we'll, yeah, and we'll, we'll figure the design, it out. We'll figure something out to make it up to I, you. I hope it does. We actually do got some other old, like old school swag, we, like okay, stickers then we would, and stuff we, sitting around. So. If, if, if this experiment fails and it looks like hot garbage, then yeah, we'll, we'll we, we can pass find, on some other We can pass on some I mean, vintage I mean, swag. I'm talking like 20-year-old stickers. <laughs> like We still have some of that yes, stuff put do. away. We didn't give them all away. Here's a vintage business card. Vintage business cards. Yeah, we had all kinds of stuff back in the day. So check that out. It does help support the show in a very small way. Uh, if we can recover enough to cover website costs for the year, I'd be, be like, kind of cool. Yeah. And if not, we'll just pay for it anyways. So, yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we'll make it work. So you're going to learn a bunch of weird stuff today with James Willis. He's oh, got dude. a new book coming out that we wanted to get him back on the show to help feature that book, Southern Ohio Legends and Lore. Yeah. And he's written a ton of stuff yeah. about Ohio. He's got he's so, so many prolific. books. He's so prolific. James Willis is just, uh, he's, a, he's an enigma to he's me. A he's a great story. He's such a good storyteller. He's good at everything. Good at yeah. everything. Yeah. That's, well, I don't know if he caught that, but I called him Ohio State Treasure. That's how I introduced him. <laughs> I think yeah, this I remember, yeah, I remember, yeah. You'll hear that. You'll hear that in a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Well, you, anyway, here. I mean, we all want to be called a treasure, but when you actually are called a treasure, you just. Huh? Well, I just gave him that name. Well, if you're, you know. I mean, it's not like yeah. he got officially bestowed that by someone yeah, in Ohio. you didn't Ohio. even like the key to Ohio. No, I don't know if he's been given a key, but I just gave him that title. I you thought gave, it was cute. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
So anyway, yeah. uh, you can head over to strangeandspookyworld.com or ghostsofohio.org or stalk him somewhere on social media. He mm-hmm. posts a ton. You can find him and uh, jump out and scare him at a library talk. Yeah. Do whatever uh, to see him speak because he is fantastic in person. Yeah. And he was also fantastic tonight with oh, us man. on this show. He's such a dear friend. And we, we miss him. It's we, so good to talk to him again. We talked about the Athens pentagram. We talked about the Oxford motorcycle ghost and the Loveland frog yeah, so. and a bunch of stuff in between. And there's a new thing. I think we got a new euphemism on the show. Yeah, you'll, you'll hear that. With crispy it's, chips. Oh, you just ruined it for no, everybody. No, I didn't. Just be on the lookout for crispy chips. Enjoy our discussion <laughs> with James A. Willis. Tell you some weird things about Ohio, Scott. Please tell me some weird things about Ohio, Amber. Okay, I'm gonna do that. Did you know 50% of the United States population? You, 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 you what? Don't lives within a 500 mile radius of Columbus, Ohio. Say that again. 50% of the U.S. population lives within a 500 mile radius of Columbus, Ohio. Really? Yeah, that's that's really weird. Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon, was from Wapakoneta. Ohio. Wapakoneta. Wapakoneta. One of Bonnie's favorite words. Yep. Uh, let's see. I found these other random facts, uh, such as Akron was the first city to use police cars. Akron. Akron. Sorry. Akron. <laughs> Acorn, Ohio. Acorn, Ohio. Ohio has the largest Amish population of any state in the nation. Oh, we know that. They, Yeah, I we know, know all that. about the, the Amish people that grow all the Amish weed out there. Yeah, huh. we heard all about that. Uh, seven U.S. presidents were born in Ohio. You want to name them all? No. Okay. Ulysses S. Grant, Rutherford B. Hayes, James well, gonna, A. Garfield, oh, Benjamin Harris, William McKinley, William H. Taft, and Warren G. Harding. Okay. Now you know that okay, from random it. trivia. Yay. And uh, you can find the largest drumsticks in the world. Yeah. That belong to Dave Grohl. They yeah. were built in the Dave Grohl Alley, Dave Grohl Alley found in Warren, Ohio. Yeah. I thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to read to you is that women are prohibited from wearing patent leather shoes in public in Ohio. Do you know why? Why? The reasoning? So that men, perverts, can't see reflections of the women's underwear in their shoes. I want I want that That's verified. a forward thinker right there. I want that verified. That's weird. So to bring on and explain the weirdness of Ohio, we've brought on Ohio State Treasurer James Willis. James, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome back to the show. It's good to have you back here, James. Thanks for joining us. It is great us. to hear you guys again be back on here again. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Thank I don't you know so if much. I want to touch the patent shoes thing, I, though, because I, even if... I knew whether or not that was true. Uh, I think it could get me in trouble by acknowledging it. So I, I don't know anything about that. I, yeah, this is weird. And this is a list I found on the web from a website called Movoto.com. I don't know. They're just random facts. But I was getting a kick out of them as I was reading them. <laughs> uh, James, you have been on the show a ton. You yeah. are a Ghostly Talk alumni with your first show being way back in 2004. Yeah. Wow, is that oh. when it was? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we were crazy. all babies. I was like 23 
yeah, you in were. 2004. Uh, what? Yeah, that um, was that's two, that was 18 years ago. So you know, we and talked it's about crazy. Yeah, we that uh, is crazy. We had a uh, the last show we did. We had a gentleman named Francis Sampier yeah. on, very very cool guy, and he was on in 2004 also. And we both we, we kind of sat there with our jaws on the floor. Also, no, going, he was 2006. Well, no, he no he started doing his yeah. project in 2004, yeah. but that was that was 16 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. 18 years. Yeah. So Jaws are on the floor again. Like, yeah. oh, my God, where, where is know. time going? I know. And then James was on the show in 2007 and 2009. And then we took our big, long hiatus. And he was back with us on 16. April 16th, 2019, talking about the Paul McCartney is dead hoax. Yes. So <laughs> if, if you, That's right. I remember you were, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you love James Willis with this show tonight, make sure to go back to our archives and listen to those older moments They're with all James. They're all out there, yeah. Because uh, he is uh, wonderful. And I don't know if I said this on the show, but I'm still going to say it in blow sunshine up your butt James that when I when we were all back on like the tour schedule going to conferences all the time in like the the early 2000s mid o's I would sit there and watch all these speakers and there were multiple speakers that I was like meh I mean they're good they have good information they're smart people but meh and then there was a couple out there that I think really helped mold the way I do public presentations now and you were one of those guys um, watching oh, your <laughs> lectures. You're making me blush. Well, <laughs> wa- watching your lectures. So if you are in Ohio, James is a prolific public speaker. You yeah, can find him is. somewhere speaking. If it's a roadside attraction, yeah. uh, maybe a corner, a stoplight, he'll Conference, be somewhere. Con- <laughs> <laughs> I can verify that's probably true. A McDonald's, yes. you know. Um, <laughs> yep. But you can you got to go hear him speak because he's charismatic, he's lively, he's entertaining, and he always has something great to add to uh, the story because he's a wonderful storyteller. So yeah. when I saw that there was a new book coming out in the massive library that James has written mm-hmm. uh, called – I have the notes here. I have the notes here. Oh Southern God. Ohio Legends and Lore, which will be available everywhere August fifteenth, 2022. Uh, and, of course, I'm. do you sell books on your website, James? I do not. Okay. I I probably need to do that, but um, <laughs> I you know I, I would tell people you know the the male people don't really like the idea of me like shipping hardcover books on the cheap. <laughs> so <laughs> so I finally learned my lesson that my wife keeps telling me since she has to drag all of these books to all my presentations, <laughs> and I've started writing paperbacks. So um, yeah, I do need to sort of offer those up online. But that being said, you can. The thing I'm proudest of is that if you if anybody types weird Willis into a search engine, you get me and my books. <laughs> so you so you can find me, and I kind of wear that uh, badge with honor. Life goals that I'm officially weird according to the Google machine. We'll, we'll, we'll use we'll use that as the actual link too. We'll just we'll just take the link from that search and put it on on, right. on the website. <laughs> <laughs> And I love the snippet from your website advertising the new book. Uh, it says Haunted Mansions and Castles, a murderous bootlegger, one of the forefathers of the hollow earth theory, which is one of my favorites. All this and so much more is lurking in southern Ohio. And now it finally has a release date. And that's the book that's coming out. So, of course, we're going to talk about strange stuff with James Willis. We got a few great stories about Ohio picked out. Uh, and I want to just jump into them. Wait, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. First, James, right. when you're writing legends and lore and all of these awesome ghost stories and, and supernatural history, what is your writing process? What what resources do you tend to go to first to discover all of this cool stuff? 
That is a great question. And when I get to the point where I found something that in the middle of the night, I sit upright in bed and go, whoa, that could be a cool story. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing that I do is I and giving away my secret here. But when I think I have what the story is, I actually use an old fashioned digital voice recorder and I just tell the story to the digital voice recorder, which is why a lot of people say when they uh, read my books, they can hear me oh, okay. because I, I don't know how good I am at being a writer, but I'm really good at being yeah. <laughs> a typist and a transcriber because I will take what I've written down, play it back, type it up, and then I'll look at it and go, now, wait a second, this part here. Let's sculpt it. Uh, yeah. Is that historically accurate? And then I'll go out and start going to the the newspaper archives or that weird thing that half your audience is going to go, a what? But the microfiche? <laughs> microfiche. Um, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and just start digging into that. Then I will go and visit the locations. And because I think actually visiting a weird place is the best part of the story because I've, I've, I, I kind of tended to devour books rather than read them when I was younger. And I always got bummed out when I would get a really cool, like ghost book and read through it and think these people never even went there. You know, they're just writing like from afar. Mm -hmm. And I I loved the books where the people described not only what it looked like, but, you know, the smells of it and and, and just these vivid descriptions. And I think in order to get a full story, even if you're just talking about, you know, like an urban legend, you need to go out to these places to be able to experience them, especially if you're talking like roadside oddities. I tell people. Um, especially if I'm giving a presentation and I'm showing them weird roadside attractions, I tell them you need to go and visit them now because the coolest thing for me is going your whole life and and thinking, I didn't know that place was real. I didn't know that existed. And then one day you turn that corner and you're like, Dear Lord, it does exist, you know, and I, yeah. and I find that the coolest thing. So I try to inject that into my writing, that sort of sense of wonder, because I think I think that's why a lot of people have sort of gotten jaded in this field, because they've taken on this arrogance and that we know all the answers and we know everything. And I'm like, no, and I don't want to know all the answers because life would be really boring then. I want to discover new things. Yeah, you know, one of one of the things a mentor told me years ago, and it can translate into studying all this weird stuff along with your professional life too, was the more you learn, the more you don't the more you learn, the more you learn you don't know anything. <laughs> right? Yep. Um, yeah, there you go. And A that keeps you humble, B that keeps you curious, I think, too, right? So, and and you're right, James, I think a lot of people you know, that write books that speak, that do all kinds of stuff in this field. They think they may ha- they have all the answers. Maybe that's to sell books. Maybe that's because they do truly believe that, that they, they have the answers. And I personally, that's just my opinion, they don't. <laughs> they really don't. Yeah, um, I agree. And yeah. and if, if I could now blow sunshine of your guys' collective butt, <laughs> way, way, way back when, when I stumbled across ghostly talk we're talking back so far that you guys were doing podcasts before podcasts had a name it yeah, was like yeah. internet radio, yep, internet radio. Yep. You know, it, yeah. it didn't even have a name 
and I stumbled across you guys, and I will never forget. I don't remember what the topic was, but Scott, you just made a mention about yeah. And there was some like weird stuff going on, like backward messages. I don't know anything about that, but it was like cool kind of stuff. You know, you played these things backwards, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Iron Maiden. <laughs> so you were like, "There's something supposedly backwards on that," and I latched onto that, and I was like, "Oh, I know about that." Yeah, these guys sound like people. There is no arrogance. They're saying, I don't know about this, but it'd be kind of cool if I did know about it. Yeah. And that's what made me write to you and say, hey, I know about it. You yeah. guys have always, and there's, if people want to go back into my archives, <laughs> they will find a newsletter article that I wrote that I was in tears writing when you guys decided to then, you were just going away. It wasn't the hiatus. And I was heartbroken because the part that I loved about you guys is... There were no airs. There was no arrogance. You guys wanted to learn and you were just reaching out to other people like, we want to talk to you. You, you sounds like what you're doing is different and cool. Let's learn together. And yeah. I was heartbroken when you guys went away. So oh I have goodness. never been happier when you guys are like, yep, we're, we're getting the band back together. <laughs> well, thank you, James. That really yeah, does mean a lot. Awesome. That means a lot coming from you also, sir. Thank, thank you. I mean, much. I still remember the first Mothman where... Scott, you and I had actually been talking about Holy Terror and the fact that I actually <laughs> had one of their albums. You, and get, I, you gave it, it to me. It was all beat up. Yeah. I still, yeah, and I came down and I gave it, and I gave it to it Amber, to and she looked, and she was like, he has this. And I'm like, but he doesn't have that he don't one have that, that one. I had and stuff. And yeah. I still remember that. That was, I think, the first time that yeah. we were, like, in person. Yeah, you know, and that was pretty mind- and you literally are like one of the, I mean, well, nowadays, you know, just the way the world works, I know a lot more people that, you know, that really love that band from a cult perspective now, right? Uh, yes. But you get, and that was, God, that was 2004, 2000, I, I, I can't remember what year that, it was a long time ago. But yeah, you walked up to me with that record and I'm like, holy shit, I've never seen anybody <laughs> who's ever had this record. And, I, and, to, and to that credit, James, that record is still securely in my collection with the other, <laughs> with the other 10 copies I have of that very album, Mind Wars, is the one you gave me. Um, I, every time I see one, I just buy it now. I've been doing that for years, right? So I've amassed like this insane collection of just, you know, not only, they're, they're, they only did those two records, right? Uh, Terror and Submission yep. and Mind Wars. Mind Wars is my favorite one. So whenever I see one, especially like an older pressing, you know, an OG pressing of it, um, I just scoop it up, right? So that I can assure you, I know for a fact that's sitting in my collection, bagged up, you know, in a very safe place. So thank you again for giving me that record. <laughs> that was a long Oh, no time. worries. That was so and cool. And I also remember when we were in Ohio yeah. at one of the conventions, and it was on my birthday, and you and Amber TP'd my uh, convention oh, booth. I, <laughs> oh, I yeah. do remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they had put us all the way in the back for whatever reason. I guess they had heard rumors that, I don't know, we might mix it up a little bit or something. <laughs> and we were all the way in the back. And then I made the uh, chalk outline with the tape, remember, on the ground. Yeah. So like somebody had been murdered there. <laughs> and that place oddly smelled of mold. That was a weird building. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and the guy, I forgot the guy's name who ran it. He was super cool, really great guy. And I think, you know, he didn't even know that was going to happen, too. Because we talked about it. He's like, dude, I'm really sorry about. It, smelled, it was kind of a moldy smell. It was an older building, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and everybody came out alive. It was fine. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, 
Well, there was you know, there was another convention, you know, speaking of, of, you know, past conventions like that. And I'll just say it happened in Kentucky. Right. Uh, and I, I'm not going to give any more details than that. But it was at a hotel convention center and they put us in part of the hotel that was being renovated. Right. And so basically we're walking down the hallway and there's like no carpeting in the hallway. And there's like, you know, there's like tools everywhere and all this stuff. Well, I remember that weekend starting to feel really kind of lousy. Like my sinuses were all dried out. I felt really just lousy. And we got through it, got home when I was sick for like a week. And I don't know how, how sick you were, Amber. I don't think you oh, felt. Oh, I had a bad, really, probably the worst cough I've ever had yeah. to this day. Yeah. Everyone got sick. Everybody got sick. Weird. So there wow. was, basically there was, we found out afterwards that there was a mold infestation of the building. And they were just stirring it up, and they didn't give a, give a darn about putting us there in those rooms while they were stirring up all that mold, basically. Uh, wow. And, and, I mean, and to the point where the hotel got in some trouble, I guess. Of course, I called down there and said, hey, um, yeah, you know, can't, can't blame a man for trying. I'm like, well, I'd like to get my money back, seeing that you guys damn near killed us. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that'd be, that'd be fair. They're like, oh, yeah, well, that's not going to happen. I'm like, yeah, I know. You know, this is just pointless. I'm not going to keep arguing with you people. I know I'm not going to see a dime back. But that happened at one, too, where, um, where the one we were at was pretty, it seemed pretty, pretty harmless, but that was kind of, we felt crappy it's for weird. a while. It was kind of oh, yeah, gross. It's weird but. that that many people got sick and. Yeah. There were so many wow. conventions. I know we we all hung out at James, and we had a riot. I mean, I got I, I missed that too because we don't really do too much travel. Well, I don't think a lot of us have been doing too much traveling for the last couple of years, of course. Uh, right. But I, we haven't done a lot of you know the heavy duty traveling. It's just a time thing for us now. But I do miss yeah. that a lot. I miss I miss hanging out with all you guys. So maybe hey, we'll figure something out down I the know. road. I like well, to do we'll something. maybe have to have some kind of. Uh, ghostly talk reunion well, party well, we always somewhere. talked we always you know one of the funny things back in those days too when we were all really pretty regular going to a lot of the conventions at least within like 500 miles right yeah. um was some people it came up a couple times like you know these conventions are fun and all but all we do is get together and drink and hang out and have a good time, right? <laughs> right, um, right. And so somebody actually postulated that. They're like, hey, I got this big piece of property. Why don't we just all get together one weekend and just hang out and, you know, just cut I mean, conventions are cool. We like listening to people talk and, you know, mixing it up with people. Why don't we just, just you know, have a big giant bonfire somewhere and party down one night? I'm like, well, that sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Never really grew any legs, but that would be something that would be kind of interesting to explore We kind of did that one year at Mothman. Like, everyone just sort of met up one year. And we didn't have a table. Everyone just met up. It was Jason Gowan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tanya and Andy. That was there a was, long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was weird. But yeah, yeah. it was fun. No, those were fun days. I, I, I do miss doing yeah. that. Yeah. Well, someday we'll get back together Nostalgia. again. I promise, James. I promise we'll get, to, get together again. Uh, you keep promising, but <laughs> not. I'm teasing, man. <laughs> so let's get that. Yeah. Let's, let's get weird. In, yeah. Let's get weird. Let's, I, talk let's about get some weird. Stuff let's get here. weird. I want to talk about. Yeah, Amber, you grab the bicycle here. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what, what was that? <laughs> Jeff Bacara from Possessed. Now we're, you got me in. You got me on Holy Terror and Metal. Now I'm just going to start quoting Metal guys. Jeff, that sounded like Jeff Bacara from Possessed. Okay, I gotta stop laughing. Okay, right. so in our notes we have it that, yeah. and then this is where I wish I had a really swell, great announcer voice, or like the kind that introduced movie trailers. Mm. Legend has it that there are five cemeteries in Athens, Ohio, that, when connected on a map, form the shape of a pentagram with Ohio University in the middle. And James has been studying this since 1999, and I want to know more. It, it is 
one of the longest standing legends, urban legends in definitely in Ohio. Um, but yeah, I have been, I moved to Ohio in um, 1999 and that's when I started like the ghosts of Ohio and really started getting into the Ohio lore. And that was right near the top of the list. And it's gone so far is um, a guy, Jeff Craig, who had actually been a member of the ghosts of Ohio and then went on to do the hidden Ohio map. And, and now he does map in black. He's a cartographer. So um, he has actually worked both with me and by himself trying to, figure out whether or not you it's really true because the legend is that if you take these five specific cemeteries and connect them on a map it forms a perfect pentagram okay um where it starts to fall apart is of the <laughs> depending at when you're jumping into the urban legend and looking for these five and you're looking for the names of them I think I've actually gotten as high as 15 hmm. that are supposed to be the cemeteries, mm -hmm. um, as well as um, a location called Mount Nebo, which is up on the hillside. Um, some people say that the Ridges, which is the, the nice name that they gave to the Athens Mental Asylum mm -hmm. uh, once Ohio University took it over. <laughs> Um, it's still there. It's just very, very foreboding, even though uh, they put an art gallery on the first floor oh, in the admissions Ooh. area. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. it's really kind of neat to start looking at this legend and how it's sort of twisted and grew over time. And then Athens, Ohio itself is known for two things pretty much one is ohio university and two they are the halloween party school hmm. they throw they throw hellacious halloween parties down there um the school in the area itself though is very um hippie-ish okay. i guess you could say there is a lot of you could buy lots of incense down there, a lot of crystals and those sort of things. So so there is a sort of connection to the, you know, spiritualism, if you will. Yeah. If you start to dig really deep into it, what I found to be the coolest part is when they said, oh, yeah, this Mount Nebo, um, that's that's actually the top point in the pentagram. And I'm like, what, what's the deal with this? It turns out that um, a guy by the name of Jonathan Coons um, he moved to Athens in the 1800s and he ended up becoming a spiritualist so much so that he created, created this like spirit room that, where he was one of the first, uh, spiritualists, I guess you would call it, that would had the idea that you would all go into this room and they would place instruments around and oh, the ghost would yeah, play okay. the instrument. So kind of like a ghostly jam session yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> and he claimed that they, um, that the spirits were actually telling him that he had to build this spirit room and it had to be in a certain point, the highest point in Athens County. And that would enable the spirits to come there. Um, it went on for a while until somebody figured out, wait a second, Mount Nebo's not the highest point in Athens County. And then it all went sideways and 
Coons took off and was never heard from again. Hmm. Um, but because of that, they started making references to the um, the society, the British Society for Psychical Research said that Athens, Ohio, back in the 1880s, was one of the most spiritually active locations in the world hmm. because people were coming from all over to have these ghostly jam sessions. Um, that has now mutated to Mount Nebo is one of the top points in the pentagram. And it's, and the British ghost society called it the 13 most, ha most haunted place in the world. So that got all twisted around. <laughs> and then with that, um, all of these other cemeteries, some of them were known as being haunted. And then right around when you got into the 1980s and that lovely satanic panic hit, mm. all of a sudden there were demons out at other cemeteries. Oh, so those cemeteries got thrown into the yeah. mix. Um, there was a longstanding uh, Sim Cemetery, which is a very small cemetery that had stories related to that Sims was the local hangman and he would hang people from trees up around his house for fun, I guess. Um, and there was a witch buried there. You come to find out it was a cemetery that was way in the back of the woods and everybody used to go there to drink. Yeah. And so now that cemetery is impossible to find because it's on private property, but that is now considered one of the top points. Um, so finding the actual five points if they are five and if they are actual cemeteries is about as impossible as anything and what i did find here's the spoiler alert is that athens was an old farming town before the university came in so there are several hundred family cemeteries in the county yeah. so you could make the athens rhombus if you wanted to you could just randomly <laughs> any shape you were looking for um what becomes also what i've never found any information on is well why would it be a pentagram some people say it's a pentacle some you know they turn it all different ways but my question has always been what is it there for is it be is it supposedly there for protection or is it there because it's cursing something? Depending on what Halloween party you go to in Athens, that's the version you're going to get. Um, <laughs> so I've never been able to get a straight answer with that. Um, however, um, some of the cemeteries, as I said, have now become points, and those places are haunted regardless of whether or not they're part of the pentagram. And that would be the uh, the angel, the crying angel statue that's supposed to cry at night. Um, that's right along as you're leaving the streets of downtown and stumbling back home. It's all the way at the front of the cemetery. So you could see how people would see all sorts of things if they were coming home very late at night. Oh, yeah. Um, and then probably the most famous is uh, Wilson Hall, on the campus of Ohio University. So some people will say the top point is actually Wilson Hall. Um, they have a a room that has been closed off because of all sorts of bad things that happened in there. And the, they were very bloody and the blood continues to seep through the walls. And there's Ugh. they've locked it off and nobody can go in there. And actually the face of the devil would appear on the outside of the door. <laughs> um, 
So great stories, you know, but, yeah. but it just became a thing of, okay, well, the original was that Ohio University was in the middle. Well, now you're making part of the university the top point, so you're shifting the whole pentagram all the way down. But it's just a great, great story to just fall down multiple ghostly and demonic rabbit holes to try to find out <laughs> really what's going on there. Uh, I know you were talking going back into the 1800s in the spiritualism era. When when exactly did they start talking about this being the shape of a pentagram? How far does that go back? So the interesting thing is that the, I have traced back, gone through all of the archives that I can actually find um, that are around there. And if you take a look at what I did was I came up with all of the potential points and then did as much research as i could on them because i was like okay well if let's just assume that this was that this cemetery was started with the sole purpose of being a point on the pentagram okay. so i went back to all of those cemeteries and found when they started interring people because i was like is that when it first became a point now the graves and the people that were interred there, those go all the way back into the 1800s. You can trace the ones that did have ghosts attached to them back to, um, I'd have to go back and look, but I want to say that they really start popping up right around the, the 50s. Okay. And there's there's one that, I, that pops out that was from the Athens Messenger. It was 1950 six 55 or 56 and it's got all of the cemeteries in there but it doesn't make it a shape hmm. so there is it makes a reference to and it's 13 small rural cemeteries clustered together in one small location but it doesn't say that it just it's any sort of point the only the earliest printed account that I could find that actually seems like it's related to the pentagram was in the very late 1960s. And that doesn't actually say a pentagram, but it says that there are, again, there's 13 and that they form a specific shape. Hmm. It's not really until the whole idea of the, um, the pentagram and being called a pentagram is in October of 1977. Okay. When it actually says, and at that point it's five and it's cemeteries. And that's the first time it's a Halloween edition. And it talks about going up to haunted peach Ridge and you will find the five cemeteries that make up a pen, the shape of a pentagram. I love how this stuff changes throughout the years we were talking about this on our last show too where this ghost used to be mm -hmm. a baby eating monster and it now it's a ghost so it's like i love seeing <laughs> those shapes or you know monsters ghosts whatever have you change throughout the years and i kind of wondered with with this being a pentagram of how much the satanic panic really did shape that and and really instill that in the people's minds and then further um create more stories from the 80s and on because i feel like the 80s were a huge generator of legend and lore kind of as we know it now and i don't know if that was the i mean horror movies have been around for a long time but i feel like they've really got ramped up in the 80s um Ab absolutely yeah. absolutely and it it is 
definitely in the early 80s when it starts to mutate. So the in the 70s, you've already got the, you know, you've got the, sort of the age of the, the, the serial killer coming out. So some of the stories that were attached to the cemeteries were about this murderous killer ghost okay. that was haunting the area that was down there. But you're exactly right. It, once the 80s came around, it kind of became a it, the mix and match decade. Yeah. Yeah. When it came to the pentagram, it was like, what evil spirit is there? And it's also when stories start popping up for other um, cemeteries that hadn't been listed involving that people were going out there, oh, wait for it, to use a Ouija board yeah. and do seances. <laughs> yeah. and, and and they were having, you know, evil things come to get them. So that... That the 80s were definitely when this kind of not it, it just spread and went out of control. It did. I you know with the poor Ouija board, it, it didn't didn't help the Exorcist. Uh, really gave that a bad reputation. <laughs> and then you have the other movies that spun out of the 80s, like Witch Board One, Witch Board Two, and just they <laughs> randomly show up in dumb scenarios in more movies and make you think that you're going to get possessed. Now, and now and all... they were also yeah. at the center too of satanic panic panic yeah. and and people's their their propaganda with you know now they're all on shutter well <laughs> yeah they are. <laughs> they are all them shit movies from the 80s well, they're all there i, I kind of been exploring those a little bit there there i there's a lot of bad horror movies that i have never seen and i know scott you're gonna be mean at me and mad but <sighs> i i just started watching what did, what was the one i watched and i went i don't like it and you got mad at me which one? In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> yes. That's a Carpenter film, though. Yeah, you know, and you're completely insane for saying you don't like that. I just, How do you not like the story that? Storyline is out. okay, but there's Leave. something about like that early '90s that I don't like well, yeah, the acting. It's, it's a little dated looking, but it's a fantastic movie. I don't know. All right, we can argue about this. All later. right, back, back to Weird Ohio. <laughs> but, but, but I, I have to defend the first Witchboard, though, if for no other reason that. <laughs> I fell in love with it because Tawny Contain was in it. <laughs> so you don't get much more 80s than that. No, you don't. Yeah, you know, she's pretty quintessential. Witchboard and Tawny Contain. <laughs> so onward from the satanic panic of Athens and their pentagrams and all the, the, all the awesome stuff that happens there, mm. let's, let's move on to motorcycle ghosts in Oxford. Yes. And this is another legend you've been researching for a very long time, for 20 years. And I... I I got to know more about this one. Yeah, this is another one that I probably, it's in my top three, probably top two of stories that I'm obsessed with. And it's in Oxford, Ohio. And I, I like to say that it was destiny that I ended up finding this and researching it because my wife, Stephanie, uh, was born and raised in Oxford, Ohio. And her parents still live there. And so every time we go down to visit them, we go looking for the headless motorcycle ghost. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. The, and <laughs> amazingly, we've seen it. What? Numerous, numerous times. It's, it's the one thing that when I give my presentations and I have included this story, I show the video. Because my, my whole thing in my presentations is I don't tell people it's a ghost. I don't say it's not a ghost because I always say, I don't know what a ghost is. All I'm yeah. going to do is explain to you the situation, play the audio, play the video, 
you guys figure it out. And the videos that I show of the motorcycle ghosts floor people because I, I honestly, I've seen it so many times and yet have no idea what it is. I actually tell people, I'm like, you know, hit me up. I'll give you directions. I'll tell you exactly where to go. And really, you just have to drive up and down the road and you will see it. What's the frustrating part for me is that not only can I not figure it out, but there's the story, the backstory, which I'll tell you, not, I can't prove any of it ever happened. There's no documentation that anything happened to result in this ghost, but yet you see it. Um, the the legend, uh, you know, according to legend, uh-huh. there was a <laughs> um, Oxford Milford Road. Um, you kind of run it down, and there's a really really sharp bend where it then becomes Earhart Road. It's basically just a really really sharp turn. Um, the legend was that a teenage girl lived in a house right at that in that bend of the road. Well, at the bend be scary if they lived in the middle of the street but um <laughs> um and she wanted to date a teenage boy who lived down at the other end of oxford milford road which is very my my daughter calls it the roller coaster road because it's very very hilly and her parents said no because he he rode a motorcycle so he you know he was he was dangerous um so they came up with a plan. Okay, cue the urban legend <laughs> things right here. They came up with a plan and how they that they were going to meet. And what they would do is the girl would wait for the parents to fall asleep. And then she would, here it comes, she would flash the porch light three times. Okay. And that signals, okay, they're asleep. And he would push the motorcycle down. She to the front of the house she'd hop on he'd push it clear and then he'd crank it up and they'd go off to have a snack or something and then <laughs> <laughs> it could happen that's, that, what, that's my what, ideal date yes yeah I'm married to her I can attest to that <laughs> get some crispy chips you know it'd be good you know, slurpy it's all good Stop. um <laughs> Uh, oh wait! I know what you're laughing. I get it. No. Okay. I'm, no, <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm actually laugh, laugh, like laughing at the crispy chips because I'm like, as opposed to <laughs> like. Well, so- yeah. If they were soggy chips, chips that that or they were stale, <laughs> they got to be nice and crispy. If it's a date, right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. That's a deal breaker right there. Your true right. love could be slipping away from you if you get the wrong bag of chips off the, off the shelf. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Give me some soggy chips. You grab the good. ones from the back. This got, right. this got weird. It's yes. <laughs> got very weird. <laughs> anyway, um, so one night, he, depending on which version you hear, he's either drunk and passes out at his house or he's just tired and he falls asleep. But he wakes up and she's feverishly flashing the porch light. Really wants those crispy chips. So, <laughs> so, so in this instance... Did I just create a new slang term here? I, I think, think I did. So. Crispy chips. That's like a euphemism. A euphemism. Yep, yep. Accidental euphemism. Yep. I want some crispy chips. <laughs> no, no. When you say it like that, it's just wrong. <laughs> so he wakes up. She's flashing the light. And he doesn't push the bike down. He actually 
cranks it up and he goes flying up and down the hills right there when he reaches the turn in front of her house he's going too fast and he can't navigate it he crashes through a barbed wire fence and he mm-hmm. comes out the other side minus his head mm. oh god so the story is that if you park your car at that turn where her house once stood and you flash your car lights three times that his headless ghost will think you want some crispy chips and you will see coming towards you in the opposite lane of traffic the headlight from his motorcycle and that just before it reaches you it it blinks out there is no record of anyone dying on that road ever let alone losing their head i did find one gentleman who did die on a motorcycle about a half a mile away, but it was broad daylight. It was fairly recent, and the headless version was already around. So I, I don't think there's a connection with that. There has never been a house that I can find at the corner, so nothing ever, nothing matches up. Hmm. But I, I tell people, if you go to the road, first off, I tell them, if anybody tells you do something a certain number of times and a ghost will appear... It's not true. I wish it was, right? To make our jobs a lot easier. We just go somewhere, flash our lights three times, take pictures of ghosts, have a right. sandwich, go home. You know, yeah. we wouldn't be sitting in the dark for 10, 12 hours going, is anyone there? You know, Correct. so yep. it's not true. So we tell them, don't, well, you don't have to flash your lights and you don't even have to stop your car. I tell them don't because there are houses along there and they get a little tired of people coming out, but all we do is we just drive up and down the road. And if you do it up maybe 10 times in one night, you'll see it. It is a light and it's really bizarre because I've over the years, I've tried it in all sorts of weather conditions um, because it's a straight road other than being very hilly. And it does eventually come to a four way stop at the far, far end So I've tried, some people say you're just seeing a reflection off of another car or you're seeing a car headlight that's on the side road. Mm -hmm. So we've gone in broad daylight when it's raining because we're like, okay, they'll have their car headlights on. We'll see the car. Doesn't work that way. There's never any sound, which is a little weird. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, there's no outline. It's just a light. And in the videos that we've taken, the light is giving off its own light. You can actually see its light on the road as it's coming towards you. It's not to one side or the other of the road, you know? So like some people have said, is it a car with like one headlight? And I'm like, no, it's in the middle of the road, just high enough off the road where a motorcycle headlight would be. And we have... When we've seen it, we have gone at it as fast as we can. It always, when it hits a certain part, it just blinks out. It, it is the weirdest, what color weirdest is thing. It? Is it like a white light? What, what color? It's a bright white light. It yeah. is It is not like a, and some people think, like when I'm telling the story in my presentations, they think they're going to see a ghost orb and it's going to be on camera for about a second or two. Yeah. The one that I usually show, it's 
about the size of somebody with a giant spotlight. Wow. And it's on camera for about 20 seconds. Wow. And it's, you know, it it doesn't appear to be like uh, a more traditional sort of spook light, you know, that is up above the ground. It's always on the road and it's always on, it's always coming towards you so much so that it's always on the, when you're going down Oxford Milford road, it's always on, on in the left side coming towards you. We've done experiments. My favorite was when my mother-in-law was riding shotgun with me and we came up the other side of the road I'll be damned if the light didn't come up behind us. And I slowed down to try to pace it. And it was clearly, it looked like a motorcycle headlight gaining on me. And then it just blinked out. It doesn't ever, um, seems really weird because I'm not on video, but I'm making my hand move forward and then I'm turning it to the (laughs) side. So, so the light doesn't go out like that as if something was turning. It just, pops and it's gone boy that's wild and, and it, it, yeah it's the fact it's that it's got like kind of a predictableness to it makes it seem a little more unusual than other ghost lights yes and and it's again what becomes really frustrating is that i've gone back and we've seen it so many times i mean it's it's the road is maybe i don't know five or ten minutes from Steph's parents' house. And so we always go down there, you know, and it's like, all right, let's take a little detour and go down that road. You know, and I've started tracking everything from days of the week, time of day, time of night, weather conditions, the seasons, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't appear that there is anything other than it has to be at night. There doesn't seem to be any other pattern. Then you just got to keep doing it. And eventually it happens. Um, and the only other thing that I can say is that when you're, when you see it, it doesn't look like, like there'll be other times where we will see a car in the distance. And as soon as we see it, we're like, that's a car. Mm-hmm. That's this, that's a reflection. Wait, there it is. Um, some people say that it is, uh, they call it the barn light because on that side of the road, about three quarters of the way down there is a barn rather close to the road and it's got up on the second story, a, a light on it. Yeah. Um, sometimes that light is not on, but when it is on, we have never mistook a barn light two stories up in the air for something that's in the middle of, in the middle of oncoming traffic coming towards you, giving off its own light. That's reflecting onto the road. It's, it's just, it is the weirdest thing i can't call it a ghost i don't but i've never seen it as i said i've never seen it do like a spook light sort of thing where it's off in the field or anywhere else it's always on that one stretch of road always coming towards you it's always in the same side Did, I, would, I always call those things anomalous that's all yeah. i can that's yeah because you don't yeah, know what it, they are it's just anomalous go ahead yeah I, and once you get to the point where you're like Hey, we don't have all the answers. It makes my job easy because they're like, well, what is it? And I go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> did You know, and it, go ahead. I was going to say real quick with Stephanie, your wife, did her parents live by there? Did she grow up by that with like in that house? Is that the same house her parents lived in when she was little? It, uh, it is. It is not. Oh, but okay. it is okay. there maybe like two streets over. Oh, okay. So they've always been there. So Steph 
knew of the story of the that's, light. That's not, what I was going to get to. Yeah. Yeah. She knew of the story and did go out there at least once when she was in high school, I believe, looking for it. And I would have to ask her, I believe, I don't recall whether or not she said that they saw it. But when she had heard it, there, there's also different offshoots of this story, interestingly enough, when mm-hmm. um, when the stories of Oprah Winfrey going claiming that uh, this satanic guy, these cult members, I don't know if you ever heard that story, but there was that this psychic went on a, a Halloween special for um, Oprah Winfrey and said that there was like a cult or a serial killer that was dressing up as Little Bo Peep. What? And they were running around and they were they were doing everything from raping and sacrificing and making you write bad checks and all sorts of bad things. <laughs> well, one of one of the locations that supposedly were part of it was the, where the motorcycle ghost was and that and that became part of this mythos even though the Oprah Winfrey story was so vague that anybody who told it they would be like well it's uh you know it's a campus it's got a really tall building you know everybody's like oh my god that's where i go to school you know so <laughs> um but when but when she went out there it would have been in the 80s so things were kind of crazy there to, anyway but um yeah so she and her brother um uh, let's just say he did a lot of partying, but he wasn't really, he was like, yeah, I remember something about that. Um, but it is very, very well known. It's almost now a rite of passage. If you go to Miami university, the one in Oxford that you go out and you go looking for the headless motorcycle ghost. Well, and you connected this Oxford story to a different story. The Elmore rider. Yes. Yes, and oh, that, that um, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. That, and and that that one is the more the famous yeah. one, and that was one that is again. You, if you're talking Elmore, Ohio, so Oxford, Ohio, you're kind of down in the southern part of the state. Oxford, uh, I'm sorry, Elmore, you're pushing your way more up to the top, so you're getting rather close to Bowling Green State University, and a gentleman, uh, Richard Gill who um, went to Bowling Green, he published, which ended up being the first um, in-print version of the Elmore Rider story. He wrote about his encounter that had happened several years ago in 1968. Um, But it appeared in the December 1972 edition of the Ohio Folklore Society Journal. Okay. that was then distributed. It, uh, it, the society was in the center of the state in Columbus, Ohio. And as you said in your introduction, nobody's very far from Columbus. But that <laughs> journal that journal got distributed to other universities, including Miami University and Oxford. So I'm kind of convinced that Richard Gill was, I know, he was single-handedly the person responsible for keeping the story of the Elmore Rider alive. And I also think that he indirectly, through no fault of his own, allowed the uh, story in Oxford 
to come to life. Because I think down in Oxford, prior to Richard Gill, they just had a light, but didn't have a story to go with it. And I think when the people read Richard Gill's story about the Elmore Rider, I mean, you read the two side by side and all the components are there. In the Elmore Rider story, the story that um, Mr. Gill was told and that he recounts is that a gentleman coming back from the war so it would have been the you know the, the great war he goes and he's on his motorcycle and he's going to visit his girlfriend he's just gotten back and he finds his girlfriend in the arms of another man and so he takes off on the motorcycle same thing sort of sort of happens in that he crashes and he loses his head and the story that uh Richard Gill told in the journal was that if you went there on the night of the accident, so we've got a little discrepancy there and that the night of the accident was March 21st. If you went there and you flashed your lights, that would cause the ghost light to come down towards you. So the interesting thing is that if you look at both those stories, the Elmore one really doesn't give a reason as to why you're flashing your lights and you can only do it on the anniversary of his death. Whereas Bowling Green, they give you a reason to flash the lights because you're supposed to be mirroring the the porch light and you can do it whenever you want. So, but they're pretty much the same sort of story. You're summoning a headless person on a motorcycle. <laughs> now, in Richard Gill's story that he said it happened in 1968, he and a friend went out to try to find it. And they said that they went out there, they were trying to record it, they were trying to do all sorts of things, and each time they flashed the lights, this thing would come down the road. And the last time they did it, his friend, which he said wanted to remain anonymous, and I can see why after this next bit comes up, um, the, the guy says, I'll, I'm going to stand in the middle of the road. You know, I want to see this thing. You you flash the lights. And so Gil does. He flashes the lights and this light comes down and it looks like it goes right through his friend. And where he kind of goes looking for him, he finds him unconscious on the side of the road. That the light had kind of knocked him off there. And uh, that's when they decided, okay, uh, I think it's time to leave. So I was actually, and I even put it in my book because I was actually found. I didn't know it at the time, but I was up uh, in Bowling Green giving a presentation and Richard Gill was there. And I had talked about the Elmore Rider and he came up to me. He's since passed away. And, but I, I got to sit down and talk with them and it was, it was amazing to actually hear uh, the fact that, yeah, he, it really encountered it, you know? Wow. And so it was an amazing thing to, to, to talk with him just about that. But he basically said the same thing is that, you know, it was a story that he had heard. And that's why in 1968, they decided that they wanted to go back out and see if they could encounter it. And I was like, wow, that's kind of like what I do. And and the yeah. weirdness has come full circle because I've become friends with um, Richard's son, Daniel. Um, and, and Daniel actually went on a ghost hunt with us. So it was just, 
it was just great. Oh, <laughs> it was really. I love that. Um, yeah. That's that's awesome when people like that show up randomly in your life and you're like, what the? I know. And it was funny because he he was there and he was just like talking to me. And I was, you know, I was just having this like, uh, you know, fanboy moment, (laughs) you know, where where I was just like, oh, you know, and I was like kind of like stammering and stuttering because I was like, again, going back to, you know, you read about things in books and then you turn the corner and you're like, oh, my God, it's there. It's real. I was like, this is the guy. This is the guy. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, the. Third story and final one I want to discuss with you, uh, James, is a little more on the monster crypto side of things, mm. and that's the Loveland Frog. Yes, I, yeah. and I I know we've talked about this show or this monster creature, whatever you want to call it, on the show in the past with some guests here and there, but I honestly I don't remember all the details. And in our notes, we have legend has it that a four foot mm. tall half-frog, half-man creature had been spotted in Loveland, Ohio since 1955 with multiple sightings in early 1972 and that these this story is sort of odd because it's a little more or seems to be more credible than others because of police officers. So we tell us yes. more. Tell us more. Yes, by far... I have an unhealthy obsession <laughs> with the Loveland Frog. <laughs> I I have got you name it, Loveland Frog shirts and hats and and for reasons known only to them, I think it's because they like Godzilla. But <laughs> the Loveland Frog, pardon the pun, is huge in Japan. Is it? Um, uh, I get yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm. Um they they i have gotten things where um you know this japanese company puts out you know these monster figures and you've got godzilla and mothra yeah and the loveland frog <laughs> and they and they call it the loveland frog sometimes it's the loveland frog man and you're just like it's amazing to me but i think in general the loveland frog i always hold up as proof that people in Ohio are weird and damn proud to be weird because they, they, they could not be okay with just having Bigfoot. You know, we have the Ohio grass man, totally different. You know, they, they've always got to be different. And so, yeah, the Loveland frog. Um, and like those other stories we talked about, I've been obsessing over it for decades. And this one more than any other one has got, the most webbed legs to it because (laughs) the, I I think there is, I think kind of like what we're talking about, how over time the, you know, legends and ghost stories tend to, you know, good ghost stories never die. They just mutate every couple of years. I think that what I know what happened with the Loveland frog story is I'm trying to undo what happened because very different stories have now gotten combined and they call it the Loveland frog. And one version, I'll I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about both, but the original story that got now slammed into and has now become part of the Loveland frog mythos is not the Loveland frog. And it's something a hell of a lot scarier. And, I've started trying to dig into that 
because I think there's a connection between that sighting and other famous sightings that were happening back in the 50s. But I guess before we get to that, the uh, most people will tell you that the, the, the Loveland Frog um, will say that the sightings were started in 1955, four foot tall, half man, half uh, frog creature sighted along the Little Miami River in and around Loveland, Ohio. Um, and that the most prevalent sightings, what they use as evidence, was in 1972. Within probably about a week of each other, I would say, two separate people reported seeing this creature. And it is true. If you go and look in the records, it is two people reported seeing it. They were... Uh, both in the same instance. And it is true that they were both um, patrolmen hmm. for the uh, Loveland police. That immediately gives something resembling credence right. to the idea that they were seeing something. It further um, makes it sound like something that really happened because the um, second one, um, patrolman Ray Shockey, he claimed that he was driving. This is what I always tell people when I tell the story. Here comes the nightmare fuel that um, <laughs> he was driving his patrol car and he was on Kemper Road, which is right near the, the little Miami River. And he comes around the corner and his headlights pick up this dark thing laying in the road. And he thought somebody had hit a dog or a deer or something. So he left the, he put the car in park, but he left the lights on. He got out to kind of drag it out of the road. And what he said was a large frog-like creature stood up mm -hmm. on two legs and took off towards the guardrail. And so he shot at it. And he initially claimed it hopped over the guardrail and then he heard splashes in the Little Miami River. It was in um, several weeks after that, April 12th, I think. Nin again, still 1972, um, the local newspaper put out a report that said both of these officers did see this, but that initially neither one of them wanted to talk about what they had seen because they didn't want to, like, freak people out. Um, both officers are interviewed. They even talk about that they um, hired a, which I think is kind of funny, a police artist that did a sketch of this. They showed the sketch actually like a composite sketch, I guess. Um, they sent it to the Cincinnati zoo and had people look at it um, and claim that uh, it couldn't really have been a frog for being that size. And even if it was, this was still kind of winter and it wouldn't have been able to survive. As you go along through the decades, there are very few sightings um, but what happens is that people stopped looking at the initial description. It's not man-sized. It looks like an oversized iguana, kind of. Um, and the two officers, the, the one Matthews who actually was, was the other one, um, 
but the one but Shockey who shot at it started changing his story left and right. Hmm. Matthews kept the same story. They didn't know what it was. Shockey then said that it was an iguana. He then said that no, it wasn't an iguana. Then it was a tailless iguana. Um, then he shot it, he killed it, and he brought it back to the patrol, uh, back to the police station, and everybody looked at it, and even the other officer said, yeah, that's what it was. None of this is, it's all anecdotal. Um, there were reports of it where a couple of kids in 2016 were out in the same area, and they claimed while they were playing Pokemon Go <laughs> that um, they came across a... Um, the Loveland Frog, and and they took video and pictures of it, and that was all over the news. And then I have to actually credit my wife Steph because she actually found that version of the Loveland Frog on clearance in Big Lots. It was a solar frog oh. with big light up eyes. Um. Which is kind of cool because I even bring that to my presentations. Yeah. I'm like, I found the Loveland Frog. Um, <laughs> but again, what? even though that was clearly a hoax, and I was a little disappointed because it was all over the news. And when I wrote to those news people, I go, look, my wife found this Loveland Frog. Crickets. Of course. They were like, oh, no, I'll just let the story go. So, um, but again, this thing with glowing eyes, you know, because they were solar – did still didn't match what they saw in the 70s where things get really really weird is i went back and i was like why do some people call it the loveland frog man or frog men and what's up with this 1955 because the big sightings really the only sightings that were heavily covered were the ones in the early 70s well I stumbled across that there was a, an individual who was, they refer to him as a businessman. He wasn't. He actually worked at a restaurant. In 1955, he was actually driving home in the middle of the night right outside of Loveland, Ohio. And he said that as he came around the corner, he saw what he described as he thought they were, I think he called them hippies, maybe not, <laughs> maybe beatniks, I don't know, it was the 50s. But he said that they were short men. And the reason that he thought they were short men was because he thought at first they were kneeling down. There were three of them on the side of the road. But as he got closer, he realized, no, they're standing there. So he saw three men, short men standing on the side of the road he gets out of the car to be like what's going on here and he said at that point he said that <laughs> the one that there were three of them and the one in the front holds up this metal rod and sparks start flying off of it Ooh. at which point he's like okay i'm out of here <laughs> so he leaves now, the point where I'm like, now I get, I believe that this story happened the way he described it, because the first place he goes is to 
a police officer's house that lived near him. That's not a place if you're, you know, think of it. So you were driving home late one night and Scott says, I think I see these three foot tall weird looking creatures and they got this thing with sparks. Let's go to the sheriff and report it. Right. I think <laughs> yeah. Amber, you're going to be like, I don't think so. <laughs> so I've always felt that that kind of gives credence so much. So is the, the officer went on the record as saying that he didn't appear to be under the influence of anything. I didn't smell alcohol. He's so, and he said the guy was scared so much so that he went out with him back to where it was. Um, and there was nothing there. They did say that they found an area where he he said that they were standing. That was kind of the grass was kind of like pushed down. I thought it was really weird because they both described this overpowering smell of it was like a combination of they said of fresh cut alfalfa and almonds, which I don't know how you would know what that smells Me like. But, but they both described it as that. Um, but what where I think the story, and he did um, sit down and do a sketch of what these creatures looked like. They don't look anything like a frog. He has it that they are three to four foot tall. He says that their chests were like bulging out in a strange kind of way. They had he said he couldn't tell if they had clothes on or if they were were naked but if they had clothes on it was a very like tight fitting silverish grayish suit that covered almost all of their their heads as well and the only part is that it makes a reference to when it's talking about their their face. It said, this is a direct quote from it, that they had a large straight mouth without any apparent lip muscles mm. across nearly the entire portion of their faces, an effect which reminded the witness of a frog. Oh, weird. At which oh. point... That's why frog, these guys became known as frog men, but they're not, they are in no way, shape or form what was seen in 1972. They're just not. What's further fascinating to me, and this is the rabbit hole I recently fell down, is because the where I found this, which is complete with the sketch that he did, was in a book of reports that were filed by, I think there were four of them, um, ufologists, including Leonard Stringfield, who yeah. they were actually, what's that? That guy did like a ton. He's got, I've been meaning to get his book of like the billion and one like uh, stuff he's documented. Yeah, and, and you're going to want to run out and get this yeah. because the reason that, they were at just happened to be in the area of there. And the reason that they were is because they were checking around to find if there were any other weird UFO or alien reports in the area because they were investigating the Hopkinsville Goblins oh. story. 
And are the goblins, uh, are they similar in appearance to the ones in, in Ohio? The big difference is that some versions of the Hopkinsville goblins have these giant, almost wing-like ears that are not part of the sketch. But the one part that I think is incredibly telling is that the Hopkinsville case is where the report, where the, the, the idea of little green men came from. Yeah. But if you look into that case, that was something that a reporter made up. They, they weren't green. They were actually silver. So I'm like, are these the same sort of things that are kind of scampering around all through the area? And that Hopkinsville was August of 1955. So you're at your several months difference between those. So I, I, if I look at the 1955 sighting, I, it is not a frog man. It's not the Loveland frog. It's to me, it's something otherworldly or something because just based on the idea of this, metal rod shooting sparks out of it i mean that's not something that <laughs> frog person's gonna have you know no. it, it, that that alone is some sort of i don't know technology or something <laughs> you know that that i don't think your average frog man's gonna no. have dangerous to, so. dangerous laser stick i don't know what to call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know but it's but it's again it's that's where if ever you see people say the loveland frog man they're getting that from the 1955 sighting. There is no frog man. Those things were not men. And other than the shape of the mouth, there was not, there's nothing resembling a frog about those. And, and that's the fascinating. Only, yeah. Because now that endures, you know, it's become its own thing. Even if, if what, what, I guess, how do I explain this? You have this love idea of a Loveland frog man, but he, he doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? He, yes, now he's yeah. on T-shirts and he's popular in Japan. And he just yep. he perpetuates in his own little universe outside of reality. But yet he's sort of real, but he's not. <laughs> you know, like yeah, a lot of crypto, and, and, cryptids. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's fascinating because if you look at this field in general, you know, you start getting into, I famously call them my two-bottle conversations because you need two bottles of your favorite alcoholic beverage to really unpack all of this. But the, but the idea that uh, are we talking tulpas here? You know, yeah. we're talking about the idea that you're saying it so many times that yeah. you create it. Yeah. There's also the flip side, which is something that I, it's one of my pet peeves, which is like, who's writing this narrative, you know? So you have people that go into, do a ghost investigation and they, they do an EVP session and they're like, are you a headless woman who was murdered by your husband and their little EVP machine goes, and all of a sudden they go, yep, there's a ghost here of a lady. And all of a sudden that becomes part of the narrative yep. based on you just hearing your little EVP machine burping and farting, you know? So it's like, it, it's a little bit of both going on here. It's like, you know, I think in general that, that we owe it to ourselves to research these things, to try to tell the stories correctly and make sure 
the right stories are what are enduring. Oh, amen. Because that I feel is so important as like a folklorist, uh, anybody that, that follows and, and writes this stuff and tracks this stuff. It's so important to hang on to the origins the best you can, because I think the Internet has well, definitely you... soaked its roots into these stories in so many different ways and directions that we watch them. I've watched stories and I'm sure you have too, James. I've watched stories just change and morph based on what you read in forums back yes. in message you know message board days and even now still in comment sections or research or wherever research um, research yep. research oh and, it, and it's you so can't important. write you know and I, i'm gonna sound really really harsh saying this but you can't write a book on google searches i'm sorry some people think they can <laughs> uh, and i'm gonna probably get beat up for it's saying sad that. but true no it's, it's sad true, but man. it's true yeah. it's you know it's I always sound very pompous and arrogant when I say that I think that the the idea of self-publishing is a blessing and it's a curse. Yep. Because if you go in your self-publishing and you're not running it through an editor, yep. let alone somebody who's going to fact find it and say, this is not true yeah. or why are you saying this? You know, I always roll my eyes when I have an editor that's like, are you sure this is August 15th and, you know, it's August 8th and not August 18th? And yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know, but hang on. I'll go back through all my records. And then I'm like, oh, man, that was, you know, wow. so yeah. it's you you need to go back because if you're going to tell the story. And I think, again, the whole idea, if you look at the, the 1955 sighting, the creepiest thing is that glowing rod with the sparks shooting out of it. If you go and look at all the crap that I have with the Loveland Frogman on it that have him, and even one that says, like, Loveland Frogman since 1955, it doesn't have the rod. It's just a frog-looking thing. And I'm like, you've lost the spookiest part of the story. Right. the ouch stick. We got we yeah. to get, get some new illustrations going with the... Yeah. The laser ouch stick. I don't know what to call it. I something. The stick. The laser stick. Oh my god. So if you enjoyed listening to James regale us with tales of legend and mystery and and, and ghosts man, and war. It's, 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 it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. I feel like I'm back sitting there yeah. at a, a paranormal conference getting all excited for a James Willis talk. <laughs> and uh so you can get his new book coming out next month what stories can people look forward to in this book the new one wow like what's well well what's your that's a big open it's open-ended so let's just say what was one of your favorites you enjoyed including in this collection the upcoming one in the upcoming one um what i purposely did and again i was just focusing on southern ohio for this one but um some of the places um it's broken apart so you've got ghost stories and then it's a lot of stuff which is just about what i call legendary characters um the le- the ghost stories there's the bloody horseshoe grave which i've always found fascinating and people can go and actually see this grave and on the back of it is supposed to be a bloody horseshoe the the outline of one on there that is there um, but how it actually got there, you know, is is up for debate. Um, and then there's a story about a building called the Anchorage, which is in Marietta, Ohio. Um, great story about a building that's supposed to be haunted, but it's got a lot of really rich history, which I loved. And I talk about 
when I did an overnight ghost hunt there, and I'm fairly convinced that the uh, the ghost of the former owner, the uh, wife, was uh, messing with me, was uh, was openly openly laughing at me, huh. and we all heard it, and we have no idea where it came from. So that was a fun story. I loved um, looking into the fact that um, Roy Rogers, the king of the cowboys. Yeah, he was from Southern Ohio and really didn't get into all that stuff until his adult um, <laughs> life. It's that that whole thing about his, if you read what is supposed to be the the true story about how he became the king of the cowboys and he was out west and doing a no, he was uh, from <laughs> no. Southern Ohio. Or yeah, it's um, th- there's a bunch of stuff in there. There there's a uh, mass murderers. There's um, an old uh, a, sto- a story about an Ohio University um, professor, Dr. Steez, who uh, murdered his wife and tried to hide the body in the uh, the lake. And uh, well, they caught him. And then he just uh, walked out of jail one day and he hasn't been seen since. <laughs> so there's still there's still a bounty on him. Well, um, it's, I, yeah, it's there's a bunch exciting. of stuff. Oh, I mean, my God. I can't. There wait. is a place called Utopia in ohio which i i managed to track down so you can find utopia in ohio so all kinds of stuff including the last one i'll leave you with is um the story that i became i don't know how i entwined with it but um the story of the legend of the big butter jesus (laughs) we remember that i'm very familiar with that but i didn't know there was a legend behind it well it's funny because that's um the one with Hayward Banks wrote the song about the Big Butter Jesus. Um, but it was, <laughs> this is true. Um, the right hand of Jesus was struck by lightning and the entire thing burnt to the ground. Yeah. Um, and it that happened on June 14th, 2010. And the reason that I will never forget that date is that was the day my daughter Courtney was born. Oh. And, you know, it was a it was a very long labor for Steph, and it was the middle of the morning. I know it was like five in the morning where I'm texting, okay, hey, everybody's fine. She's here, going to rest up. And my phone keeps going off and off and off, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, it's just people wishing me well and saying they're happy for us. And then I look at the phone, and everybody is saying like, oh, that's great, congratulations. Did you know the big butter Jesus burnt down? (laughs) And then going back to what we were talking about, how these things become legend, just going out on these forums. Yeah. I don't know why, but for a short period of time, the Ohio conspiracy boards were saying that Weird Willis (laughs) had something to do with it burning down. it It was apropos and ironic that my daughter was born on the same day that this thing burned oh, down weird. and i'm like what is going on here but uh yeah and the story just gets crazier from there because after a while you know it burnt down it was it was made of styrofoam i mean come on <laughs> styrofoam and fiberglass and so it burnt down and all that was left was just this metal frame Mm-hmm. That became known as the Terminator Jesus, <laughs> and, and, and I, and uh, yeah, there's pictures of that in the book. And then um, they finally decided to make sure that they were um, they were going to 
put up another one in its place, but they wanted to make sure that this one was a fireproof. So they built that a different way, and that's the one that exists right now. And yeah. they had a big fireworks display when they opened it up, and they pointed all the fireworks away from the statue, which is now affectionately known as the $5 footlong Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's a picture in the book of my daughter and I standing in front of the $5 footlong Jesus. And I, I end that story with, and nothing burnt down. <laughs> Two of us visited and nothing burnt down. So see, no conspiracy. Nothing there. to do with you at all. I love as it. Far as, as far as you know, yes, there's Correct. nothing to do with I you. I love it. <laughs> Where can everybody contact and stalk you at, James? I am all over social media. If uh, you want to learn more about my stuff, uh, if you go to strangeandspookyworld.com, that's got all of my author stuff. So that's got everything from... Paul McCartney being dead to cursed movies and all sorts of things like that. Um, ghostsofohio.org is if you just wanted the ghosts in Ohio kind of stuff. Both of those sites have um, a listing of my schedule of events for presentations. I would say the vast majority of them are free and open to the public. The ones that aren't are noted, but they're, they're, for all ages, pretty much, and they're they're open to all. They're at local libraries, although I am doing one in Athens at a winery, which would be kind of cool. Hmm. But um, you can find that, or like I said, all over social media, or just type "Weird Willis" into a search <laughs> engine, and you'll find me. <laughs> Ghostly talk. <laughs>